Thanks for joining us. Theology Thursday. Stay tuned. Clearly, what's going on? Hey, bro, how's it going? Good, good, good. Busy day, but otherwise good. Yeah, good. Just hey. going to ask you, you know, uh, did you keep the two minutes of silence the other day? Oh, straight into it, eh? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll go first. Well, okay, go. I, I prayed, uh-huh. but not when they said I should. <laughs> okay. Very rebellious. Like a kind of a passive-aggressive thing or what yeah i mean the, the whole two-minute thing is like the only other time that there's been two-minute observances of, for things like the holocaust right and now as a gesture token gesture let's make this a two-minute issue right uh, not to say I, I don't sympathize but you know uh, the whole thing is just orchestrated i don't believe in uh, let's all hold hands for a photograph and you know put mm-hmm. on a big fat show of unity yeah you know? i you know i just i knew that about you before you, you didn't have to say anything. You're just not a photo guy at the end of the day. Um, I, to, you know, to be honest, I totally missed it. Like, I was just, I didn't even know what was going on. I just saw what actually, I was picking up uh, my daughter from kindy, and um, and I, I saw someone r- rush into the kindy, get get her uh, daughter, you know, and I'm sort of putting one of the shoes on, on Eva, and, um, and she just storms past me and... You know, normally quite a friendly lady, but just, you know, in a huff and a puff. And, I, and then I realized, oh, wow, it's something to do with this uh, two minute of silence thing. Yeah. And um, and yeah, she was she was really I don't think from a Christian perspective, but from a secular perspective, just really aggro on the on the prayer thing. And yeah. uh, it just got very uncomfortable. And it, oh, man, she was storming around. I was like, OK, wow, I missed something. I need to go. Yeah. So, um, yeah, look, I mean, in principle, I think I think the. Um, I really, you know, anyone who knows me, and this is relevant to the two kingdom thing, and that I do, I feel the best way, if the ideal government would have, uh, give a religious freedom to, to everyone. Um, and the, the government's role is to protect the interest of each religion. And so yeah. in that sense, if, as, the, as the government allows for a safe prayer to be uttered by the Muslim community, um, without having to worry about anything, and that is the gesture itself. I'm like, amen. As long as they grant that gesture to Christians and every other religion, you know. Um, yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, and as as we were talking earlier, I mean, in terms of just the, uh, you know, is any if if everyone is understanding by that gesture that now we all have to be, uh, you know, become Muslim. Well, of course, you know, there's a problem, but that isn't what was intended. And yeah. so, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, it's kind of like a non-issue for me in that, um, you know, I just appreciate that that we care about, you know, like a, a thing that happened. And, you know, I think everyone just wanted to do something at the end of the day. And I suppose as a, as a, as a government, wow, that is just difficult, no matter where you are and no matter what you're doing. And you've got to just go the extra mile to make sure everyone's kind of feeling, feeling that the event was properly recognized as a tragedy and that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out with uh, just you know, I was saying earlier as well, Brian Tamaki coming out and both guns blazing against the prayer. And, you know, it's not like I'm a Tamaki fan, so it's kind of an interesting thing to just watch from a distance. Um, Surprise the feminists didn't come out with the hijab thing, you know? Right, totally. A lot of female submission within Islam. Well, I think, I think you had a lot of passive-aggressive, you know, if that kindy experience was anything to go by, you know, because you know the feminism is there, you know, and you know it's going to, 
in some way be insulted at some level. Oh, uh, you know, but but it probably is just that everyone feels, you know, hey, not now, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe the, just just a sense of scruple, like just just hold it, you know, whatever. We can deal with this later. This is just there's a bigger fish to fry here, and that we all just think this sucks, you know. So I, I don't know. That's the feel I get. Mm. Yeah. No, good. Well, uh, on to another topic then. Yeah, totally. Um, so, uh, well, 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 before you go, before you go, let me just, um, we're talking a lot about our context here, just in case uh, we are getting more and more American listeners, which is awesome. Good day, America. Good to be speaking to you. Um, I believe we're always ahead of you. So this is whatever Wednesday, but no, this is Theology Thursday, so it'll be your whatever Wednesday. Hope that's not too confusing. But just to give you uh, a little bit of a spiel, I never do this. So, you know, just every now and again. Um, uh, I'm t- uh, uh, my name is Michael. I figured that most people on this podcast will be able to figure that out just by clicking the links. And uh, th- there is enough stuff there to just figure out where I pastor in Wellington in New Zealand. Uh, Nick is a little bit more under the radar, right out of Facebook. So he deserves introduction. Nick Cleveley is the pastor of uh, Covenant Grace in Timaru, which is on the South Island of New Zealand. And uh, we're part of... Uh, the Fellowship of Reformed Baptists in New Zealand. And uh, so just, uh, what, what is the URL for your, for your church again there, Nick? Covenantgracebaptist.church. Oh, there we go, dot .church, yeah. So check it out. And um, and so if you want any more sermons or info from Nick, that's where you get them. Um, okay, cool. And uh, the other thing I wanted to say is also we're getting a whole lot of um, people just sort of uh, sending little messages, really, really um, um, appreciate what's being said just uh just messages that are really encouraging um mentioning you know that that you're enjoying the podcast appreciate that um it is good to know about you know whoever's listening and uh keep them coming also just i never asked for this i actually don't even know why people ask for this but everyone does so i feel like i need to as well just uh you know go ahead and give us a, a review on um itunes or whatever you're listening in i think what it does is it just kind of you know, makes you come up as a more recommended podcast or something if someone types in something even remotely familiar, which might be cool. I mean, I don't even really care about it, but I don't know. Just be nice. Just be awesome to look at your your feed and see like a thousand awesome five-star reviews. So just make it happen. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I don't know. Is that is that is that not deep enough, Nick? What else do I need to no, say? That's pretty good. Yeah, sounds yeah. good. Just make it happen. Just give us a review. Um, all right, cool. Uh, what are we talking about this uh, fine Thursday so, uh, just uh, probably another Calvinist conversation. Um, I heard recently about a guy who, you know, he's been presented with all the facts. We've done a study through Romans 9. We've looked at the five points of Calvinism. We've discussed freedom of the will. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he's seeing it. You can't disagree with it or argue with it. Mm-hmm. But just really struggling with the sovereignty of God over evil. Mm-hmm. Something's just not falling into place. Something's not fitting. You know, he can mm. he can appreciate that it seems biblical. There seems to be an exegetical case, but just something about the God being sovereign over sin just doesn't quite fit in. So I thought maybe that would be a good one to look at. Mm. Of providence. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's always a good one to talk about. It's so interconnected to theodicy issues and um, yeah. you know, which is the big <laughs> thing that people struggle with, and rightly so. I mean, it's it's like. It is a difficult thing. I mean, you know, you'd be, at one level, you know, I really appreciate it when I hear people struggle because I, I get a little bit more worried when I hear people don't struggle because it makes me feel, number one, like, what, what's wrong with me? Because um, I'm struggling deeply with all these things. And then the other thing is um, I, uh, 
I, I sometimes wonder if they've actually thought it through, if they haven't struggled with it, you know, because the yeah. implications are far-reaching and it is difficult stuff. And, um, you know, you have to think it through when your mind's clear so that when the disaster happens, so to speak, or when you go through that difficult time, you don't, you don't want to have to think about it then. You know, you want to rely on it then. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, if this is, even if this isn't you, maybe it's a... It's an opportunity to, to um, you know, awaken the issue afresh. It's one of the central issues of Christian theology in many mm. ways. Well, here's, uh, yeah. here's a, a statement. Let me read it, mm-hmm. and uh, let's see what your comments are. So okay. this is from 1689, mm-hmm. Chapter 5 on Providence, Paragraph 4. And it says, The almighty power, unsearchable wisdom, and infinite goodness of God so far manifest themselves in His providence, that his determinate counsel extends itself even to the first fall and all other sinful actions, both of angels and men. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's the statement. Mm-hmm. Firstly, it makes the affirmation that there is power, wisdom, and goodness in God. Mm-hmm. So these are the directing, informing aspects of God in terms of his providence. It's not just a it's not just a power trip. It's There's wisdom, there's goodness. It's all balancing out nicely. There's the simplicity of God in play. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's working out his determined counsel. So there's mm-hmm. the decree coming into it. And mm-hmm. this providence extends. There's nothing in the universe that is outside of his control. And this control extends even to the first fall. And that's obviously talking about the fall of Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. And all other Sinful actions, both of angels and men. Now, that's a big statement. That would include things like the shooting in Christchurch. Mm-hmm. Then it gives up some, some clarification. It says, and that, so how, how does this all happen? And that, not by a bare permission. Mm-hmm. So we need want to unpack what does that mean. You know, mm-hmm. God permits things to happen. There's his permissive will, but it's not a bare permission. Mm-hmm. Which also he most wisely and powerfully binds and and otherwise orders and governs in a manifold dispensation to his most holy ends. So that's his purpose. He's driving towards his holy ends. Mm -hmm. Yet so, as the sinfulness of their acts, so who's responsible? Mm -hmm. The sinfulness of their acts proceeds only from the creatures and not from God, who, being most holy and righteous, neither is nor can be the author or approver of sin. And so there's there's really the issue. The, The conflict is, you know, how can God... <clears throat> sovereignly determine all things, including every sin. Mm-hmm. And the sinfulness proceed from the creatures. That's the the real mm. tension. So, I mean, what would you say, Pastor Mike? Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you, um, young disciple, Nick Cleveley. Uh, so glad you decided to visit Pastor Mike today. <laughs> <laughs> Ask Pastor Mike. Ask Pastor Mike. Um, so... Um, this is just if you are following along and you missed that. That's uh, chapter five in the sixteen eighty nine confession, and that's uh, paragraph four. Yeah. Um, and man, that whole that whole chapter is dynamite. But um, yeah, that's uh, definitely a good one to kind of summarize the number of the issue. Um, so yeah, I mean the big thing there is um, the first and second causes uh, deal that it's setting up there, in that yeah. you have uh, the reality of intent being distinguished between God and um, the sinner. Um, God is sovereign over the sinner and over the sin, but he, you know, God's intent in doing this is vastly different from the sinner's intent. Um, who? Um, well, let, let's just put one issue on the plate right, right, right at the front end. Yeah. Did God will the first fall? I would say uh, absolutely yes. Okay, so yeah. maybe we 
start there and then work our way in. Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. Because actually, you're always going to bring it back to that original thing. Um, anyway, so ultimately, kind of, you have that situation in your mind whenever you talk about any of these things. Um, and yeah, that's right. So, you know, if you think about the decree, uh, or at least, sorry, the, the, the act of sin there in the garden, um, did God decree it? Yes, he did. Um, did. Was God the author of it? No, he wasn't. What's the difference? Intent <coughs> is the difference. Um, God can decree something and not sin because he doesn't intend it sinfully. Whereas yeah. uh, a man uh, who actually engages in that sin, of course, is in, is in every way engaged in, in a manner that's completely, uh, uh, you know, has the intention of, of, of pure evil. It's, 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 it's probably what it is. Um, and so another, uh, you know, way I remember, start, I mean, all these analogies at some level will have their problems, but they all, I find them to be genuinely helpful. Helpful, um, and they get more and more elaborate as as we go. Uh, so I'm not sure how many will get done in this session. But you know, the basic idea there is a snooker ball. You know, if yep. you first cause you hit that white ball, and then the second ball, and all that, and that kind of gets you uh, that gets you a sense of of just the basic philosophy involved. It doesn't quite. It doesn't quite solve the issue of how God is himself not sinning by, you know, kicking that motion off. But um, at least it helps you just understand the dynamic. Okay, so the, the actual motion of sin that we're talking about here is, is not that first uh, snooker ball going. It's the, it's the um, second thing, uh, the, the second event coming from it. Um, in terms of the actual, you know, how do we get behind the heart of it? That's the intent thing. Um, there are many different analogies to explain that. I've got a very long Long and elaborate one that Benny hates. Benny's one of my elders at uh, <laughs> at uh, GraceNet, and I, I, you know, I love telling it. It's like my favorite story. That's <laughs> it's, it. It's long. It. It's involved, uh, but man, it's uh, yeah, it's not always uh, met well. Okay, do you want to hear it? Yeah, let's hear it. All right. Do you want to say anything else before we go there? Because it's a long <clears throat> speech. No, no, you have your spiel, and I'll, I'll okay. say something. All right. Um, all right. Where do we start on the spot storytelling? Okay, basically. Um, what I'm trying to do here is get all the little angles covered by a kind of ridiculous story, but a story that hopefully has some contemporary relevance and meaning. Okay, yeah. Let's say, for example, you had a president. Let's say the president of the United States, just because we need a country to make this real. Um, there is uh, the death penalty in this country, and someone has been caught and put on death row, and um, and they are they've been sentenced for their crime. They are guilty as charged. They've done heinous things. They are going to die. Um, then it comes to light that um, they're having a spy problem or a, a, some sort of assassin problem that uh, some sort of terrorist group is sending in to the country to you know instigate some trouble. So it falls on the government and the FBI, whoever's working with them, to try and figure this out. So the president uh, comes up with a, a plan, all right? He, uh, he takes someone that he knows uh, is on death row, but someone that will lure the assassin out of his out of his uh out of the the creeks in the floor so to speak so <laughs> to get him in a point that they can catch him uh, sounds like dead shot what's that sounds like dead shot dead shot what's that one of the dc comic heroes oh nice awesome gotta hear more about him maybe i can improve this analogy <laughs> um so you've got you know this guy that you basically want to get out of the out of the the darkness to come and do the do the deed um so you're using the guy on death row for the the bait right um yeah. sure there are risks but the reality is, um, you know, the guy's on death row anyway. And let's say, for argument's sake, his his uh, his his 
uh, penalty or his um, uh, death sentence happened at at the same time as this whole thing was being set up. Um, and so essentially he's on borrowed time anyway. So they set him up and the assassin comes out and they catch the assassin. And, um, and so, uh, you know, all ends well. The assassin is caught. He goes to jail. Uh, the, the, the guy on death row will ultimately have uh, justice meet meet it out upon him when when uh, that that time comes anyway and even yep. if something goes different and the guy gets shot and dies well you know whatever okay i know it's kind of stupid and it gets it gets a little weird at that point but my point here is you step back out of that situation and essentially the president uh, would be like god right he's ordaining the whole thing he's um he's his intention is good it has the full picture in view um, it, it, he's the first cause. He gets it all going. He um, decrees it all. It's going to happen as he planned it. Um, the, uh, the he is essentially ordaining the evil assassin to shoot the other guy. Right? It's happening um, by his his decree, so to speak. So yeah. there you have the president. And this ordained. would be a perfect, wise, all good, perfectly intended decree. Yeah. Yeah. Exa- exactly right. Yeah. Now, obviously, we're dealing with human imperfections <laughs> at every part of the story, but you know, hopefully, it allows us to bounce toward what you've just said there, the the, the, the perfection uh, of the biblical scenario. But um, yeah, so, you know, at the end of the day, the, 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 the assassin comes along and he he's the guy that's pulling the trigger. And I just love the way that that highlights when he's shooting the guy or trying to shoot the guy. Um, you know, it's a very, very different thing going on in him. And so much so that we can in that story, just with all of those angles kind of seen, we can see and observe the theological difference that's being brought out by the confession at that point. Uh, yes, the president ordains it all, uh, but you know that does not make him guilty for the for the assassins seeking to shoot him. Uh, it, it's for his wise and holy uh, ends, and at the end, everything will be well. At the end, God vindicates Himself, and that's all that we need to know. Um, but uh, it, it hopefully just gives us a little way to climb onto the next ladder and move forward in our Christian life without getting too stuck in this point. We get to essentially have a have a handle on what it means to trust God in these situations. Um, so that's a, that's a, there it is. Yeah, I like it. I think it's great. I huh? think it works nice. well. There we go. Yeah. Benny, so, if you're listening, you heard yeah. it. You heard it from Nick. Come on, Benny, that's a nice story. That's a nice story. It's elaborate. That's it would have been better if you told it. You're like the master storyteller. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I mean, uh, so just a little addition there, just some some extra thoughts to add. I suppose let's, let's take a, a, a biblical scenario. Mm-hmm. The Temptation of a Christian by the Devil. So the next paragraph in 1689 reads this. Mm-hmm. The most wise, righteous, and gracious God, so there's all these good attributes driving the whole process, mm-hmm. does oftentimes leave, so there's the permissive aspect, mm-hmm. for a season his own children to manifold temptations mm-hmm. and the corruptions of their own hearts, to chastise them for their former sins, or to discover unto them the hidden strength of corruption and deceitfulness of their hearts, that they may be humbled, and to raise them to a more close and constant dependence for their support upon himself, mm-hmm. and to make them more watchful against all future occasions of sin and for other just and holy ends. Mm-hmm. So trying to put a big, big blanket on it. So that, here's the conclusion, mm-hmm. whatever befalls any of his elect is by his appointment for his glory and their good. So mm-hmm. let's say the devil comes along and he tempts, tempts you. <clears throat> This is the distinction. You might even remember this back in the charismatic days. I remember this distinction. God tests, but the devil tempts. Mm -hmm, You've mm -hmm. you've heard that one before? Mm -hmm. Totally. God's intention. What does God want to do? He wants to make his Christian child holy. 
But in order to make you holy, he has to refine you. He has to put you through your exercises. He has to test the muscles of your faith through difficulties and trials and um, exposing you to to hard situations. Mm. So what does he do? He takes a devil that wants to kill you, and he puts you in your path with a number of qualifications and hedges and restrictions like we see in the book of Job. God is working out his sovereign purposes for your good, though he has a devil in his employment, as it were, Mm -hmm. um, who, against his own bad intentions, doesn't want to do the will of the Lord. But because God is so sovereign and so powerful and so wise and so able over it all, he does the Lord's will by putting the Christian through their paces. And at the end of it all, you know, the devil tries to throw a nuclear bomb at you, and the Lord takes that nuclear bomb, he disarms it, and he turns it into a nuclear power plant that ends up lighting the city of your Christianity. Hmm. And uh, he takes it and he works it together for good. Hmm. And um, I suppose another scenario would be, and this is another biblical one, uh, David and the census. Hmm. Hmm. And you have three characters in play. So you uh, listen to 2 Samuel 24 verse 1. Again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. So here's the situation. God is angry with Israel. Mm-hmm. And he, God, incited David against them, saying, Go number Israel and Judah. So the language of Scripture is, you know, it, it doesn't refer to second causes because it's not speaking in Aristotelian philosophical terms mm-hmm. of first and second causes. When it speaks about an action, it usually credits it to the first cause God. But that's not to the... Um, exception of second causes. And the reason we say that is because when you read the parallel version of 1 Chronicles 21, uh, the parallel verse says in Chronicles, again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel and Satan incited David. Mm, mm, mm. So in the one verse, it says God incited David. The other verse is the devil incited David. And mm. so the question is, well, who, who was it? Was it God or the devil? And the answer is yes. Mm. Um, it was mm. God who allowed the devil to tempt David. Uh, the Lord had a purpose of judgment, so there's the good purpose. Um, <clears throat> the, devil had, the devil had a wicked purpose to, to be tempted. David had sin in his heart. He being the king of the people, the Lord instituted it to, through the king's sin. The people would be punished. And the Lord is working all his good purposes out, and he's sovereign over it all. Hmm. His purposes are coming to pass, but he's not the author of any of the evil. The devil is free in pursuing the evil of his own heart. David is free in pursuing, pursuing the evil of his heart, but God's good purposes are prospering. Totally. You know, I'm uh, preaching through Joseph now in Genesis, and really that's kind of the banner text for this. You know, what God, what, what man has intended, what, what yeah. his brothers intended for evil, God intended for good. And it's kind of, there it is, right there again. You know, yeah. you, you have God making use of that um, and decreeing it, certainly, without any doubt. I mean, you even had a dream about it beforehand, so it's, it's just there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, that's, that's, that, that, I, that is a very satisfying explanation, I think. And, and that, that what you just read in the Confession is, honestly, I think, my favorite part of the Confession. Um, just it's so pastoral, you know. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, dude, when this stuff really matters at the end of the day, as I said earlier, it's kind of like when things go wrong, but also, you know, as a Christian, when you, when you sin, you know, when you, when you sin, I mean, I, I think if anyone is listening to this, they'll be able to relate when you, if you do fall into a bad sin, the first instinct of the heart is to go, how could God who is sovereign have allowed me to fall into the sin, you know, which of course is, is, you know, do not actually, say when you attempted that you attempted by God. Exactly right. <laughs> so we got to come back at ourselves and we got to go. Firstly, let's put this into perspective. But then, secondly, 
um, just know that even in God's sovereignty, you know, He sometimes, as it says here, um, uh, how did it go? The most wise, righteous, and gracious God doth oftentimes leave for a season His own children to manifold temptations and the corruptions of their own hearts to chastise them. Now, they just offer some possibilities here. You know, it could be that you're getting chastised for former sins. Well, that's the thing. Or you could discover, uh, or this whole thing could discover unto you the hidden strength of corruption and deceitfulness of your own heart, which perhaps you were you were we very, constantly underestimate sin. We need that lesson over and over. Over and over. And, you know, if that if that takes a, a solid wipe to get that one out of you, then, you know, so be it. Um, they may be uh, humbled. Uh, you know, there's another thing. You know, you might be walking around like like this uh, prideful, you know, uh, person that's completely taken grace for, for granted. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's summarized by just this constant dependence upon mm. God as a result of this. And even if it's just that, even if there's nothing more, um, you know, you can you can immediately see, well, okay, right. Uh, you know, God is still sovereign and I sinned. Um, and, and yeah, I wasn't tempted by God. And the reality is this, this theology is still very rich and it helps me even in the worst points, not just when things are going yeah. well. Um, now, so, as, yeah. as, as I've worked through this, one of the things I have realized is that there is a lot more assertion than explanation on the part of the Bible. Bible makes a lot of claims. God is in control. The devil was free. You freely chose your sin. But it doesn't unwrap the layers of mediation and to mm. doesn't satisfy the, the nth degree of your curiosity as to how exactly it all works out. Totally. God doesn't have to reveal his hidden counsels. And so you are ultimately going to be thrust back on your faith, your mm. confidence on who is in control and who is working out his purposes, not how and why. Mm. And so often it's the who question that we can answer, mm-hmm. not the how or the why questions. And Knowing who is in control should give us enough peace and confidence to rest in him for the how and the why. Yeah, and I think you just need one glance at the cross to just back off at the end of the day. You know, what what was the cross other than the seeming reigning of evil? I mean, any evil that you mention, you know, is going to always be completely pathetic compared to what took place at that moment where it seemed that... You know, evil triumph. The most was, innocent man who'd ever lived, you know, suffering the, the highest injustice ever committed. And, and the most dying. painful death yeah. ever experienced. And, and it was God. Can't be worse. <laughs> and God, was, God had appointed it. He prophesied it. He yeah. willed it. He predestined it and caused it to come to pass. Yeah. But he was not the author of any of the sins in it. But it was all working out together for perfect, ultimate, eternal good. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, I love that not only is that the ultimate vindication of the whole idea, but that's that's the part of where these themes are made very lucid in the Scripture itself. I mean, there's no way that you can read through Acts and not come out with, with an understanding that God predestined the cross and, and the whole thing was happening according to God's coordination. I mean, so, you know, the problem is set there for anyone who reads the Bible, not just Calvinists or whatever. And um, and yet at the same time, in that very moment, the greatest vindication of God in the whole thing uh, is displayed. And so, you know, it, it's a genuine point in that, you know, you need to put yourself in your own situation in perspective and go, you know what, the cross is, what happened at the cross is far more of a, of a, of a, uh, a travesty or a, uh, a scandal than what's going on here in this small little thing I'm thinking about. And yet, if if that is the one thing that God has displayed to us as something that is completely vindicated and we can understand that even, 
um, well, then how much more should we rely? So it's faith, yes, but it's not faith without an object, you know? We have, we have that, the cross as the object of our faith, and we can rest on a revealed vindication. Uh, the, the issue of faith comes in in that God doesn't have to always show all of his hands. I mean, he's proved the biggest thing to you. So it's always yeah. going to be an argument from the greater to the lesser as you have mm-hmm. to deal with your stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a faith builder right there. Definitely. Yeah. Good. Well, hey, that's a, that's a good talk. Providence. Did you have any other uh, uh, prickly bits as part of that? No, I think that covers all the bases. Yeah, yeah, sweet. Well, at least just keep it as a nice Thursday theology introductory thing about Providence. And maybe uh, someone listening to this is kind of, you know, I'm hoping that either it'll get you started around that thought, get you thinking about it. Perhaps you haven't really even even gone there. Uh, so those are some, some introductory thoughts, I suppose. But then also just, you know, it's always good to be reminded of this stuff and encouraged. Uh, you know, often we just are going through stuff providentially. And uh, just to be reminded of God's sovereignty is just almost always an encouragement. Um, and so, um, yeah, let's leave it at that for today. Thursday Theology. Thanks, Nick. Cheers, man. Cheers.